We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, we come to you on this uh, Wednesday evening a little late, I guess. I don't know what's going on, but they are late for some reason. Uh, Casamigos Tequila brings you the program as always, brought to you by those who drink it. We'll take you till 7 o'clock uh, on this uh, Wednesday evening. And depending where you are, you might be hit with some massive thunderstorm now because if you're out in this weather today, you know that's one of those days where it was just so humid that you could get a thunderstorm any time. I mean, it was – I mean – Playing off this morning, it was – I don't have any problem with the heat at all. I I like the heat. But today, it was oppressively humid. I mean, one of the most humid days I've felt in years today, and that was around, around noon today. So no, nothing weather-wise would surprise me. And you know there's a lot of bad weather forecasts for Friday. So uh, keep that in mind because we could get a torrential amount of rain. We haven't had a lot of rain. We're about 10 inches short of what would be normal. And the weather's been – I know it's been a crazy year to take advantage of the weather. Uh, it's not easy, but uh, the weather's been pretty good uh, the last six weeks or so. Uh, it's been very nice from a summer standpoint and a lot of sunshine, um, a lot of sunny days. But we are about 10 inches uh, behind in terms of rainfall. Uh, and we're going to pick up some of those inches on Friday, but if you get it all at once, it doesn't work. It rains off. So uh, that's the case. Probably going to happen. We're going to get supposedly a very, very heavy amount of rain on Friday. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, that is the uh, forecast. But, uh, again, more hot weather for the next 10 days, a lot of 90-degree days. You know, some summers you don't get 90-degree days at all. This year we've got a lot of them, and we've got a lot more coming, as a matter of fact. All right, a couple of things. Just seconds ago – you got the Ivy decision, and it's impactful. Ivy was a big player from the beginning. They were one of the first movers of anything. And as I told you a couple of days ago, the Ivy was going to cancel football. They have canceled football for the fall. They've canceled all sports for the fall. They have not made any statements about football. What they stated was they will not play any sports until at the earliest January 2021. They did not say whether they would play in the spring. They are hopeful that they will play spring football this year. They have not announced 
that they will play spring football yet. Now, the question is, what happens with the big guys now? What does the Power Five do? Uh, I don't see how the Power Five can start in September. I just don't see how it's even reasonable. I don't think it's there. Stanford today canceled 11 sports. Stanford has always prided itself on having an incredible array of intercollegiate activities, uh, one of the most uh, varied and plentiful number of – they had 36 programs. They canceled 11 programs, and that's a school that has money. There are schools that have outrageous amounts of money, okay, that they can fall back on. Harvard, Yale, Texas A&M as an example, which is one of the richest schools in the country. Uh, they will never run out of money, but a lot of schools are hurting, and what's going to get hurt first is the athletic programs other than football and basketball, and you feel for the kids who play those other sports in college, uh, the sports that no one pays attention to, the sports that aren't revenue producing, and a lot of those and a lot of athletic departments are going to go by the wayside, and a lot of coaches are going to be looking for work. That's going the really the ripple effect of this is enormous. It really is as we get ready to hit the fall, and nobody knows what's going to happen here in the fall yet. We really can't tell. Just like we can't tell what's going to happen in sports yet, we can't tell what's going to happen with schools yet. Uh, it's different every part of the country. Obviously, everybody's uh, feeling the effects of the pandemic in a different way. But what the Ivy did today is enormously, enormously telling. And I think it is a harbinger of things to come as far as big-time football. I don't see how the Power 5 plays this, this fall. Now, I think they want to play. And I think their plan is maybe to start in December, maybe to start in January, uh, be done with the regular season, uh, and finish everything up before the NCAA tournament starts, maybe start December 15th. I don't know. Maybe start January 1st, play an abbreviated schedule, play eight games, and then play their uh, playoffs and bowls. I don't know exactly how it will unfold. We don't know yet. I think the most logical thing, though, is that they'll back it up. And this is a step in that direction today with the Ivy making this decision, which we expected. I would have been surprised if they had a different outcome. This is the outcome we expected. Uh, I talked about this a couple of days ago, and this is very, very important. This is a very big move, and a lot of the leaders in college football were waiting for this move before they did anything else. And this will be very impactful. The Ryder Cup, as you know, postponed. They did not want to play the Ryder Cup without fans because the Ryder Cup's about fans. Plus, they also knew that there was no way the Ryder Cup, which is an expensive event to put on, was going to make any money. Don't think that wasn't a major factor in this. I mean, if you don't have that place jammed, if you don't have people buying all kinds of stuff, buying packages to go there, buying all kinds of uh, souvenirs, buying all kinds of uh, golf shirts and jerseys and everything with a Ryder Cup logo on it and the patriotism that comes out in that event and everything else, without that, it doesn't work. So what they've done is they've backed the Ryder Cup up to next year and then backed the President's Cup, which was supposed to be a quail hollow in 21. That'll go in 22. And now the Ryder Cup will go hopefully, hopefully, in 21. 
We don't know if that's the case right now. That's the plan, that it will go in 21. You know, they, remember, next week you have Jack's tournament. They had talked about that being the first tournament where there were going to be fans in attendance. There were going to be spectators at the event. That's been canceled. There are no spectators at the event next week. So that plan by the boards. And what you see is nobody has taken an advanced step, meaning that in any sport, nobody has done more than they expected to do. Nobody said, you know what, this has actually worked out better than we thought. It's been easier than we thought, and we've been able to do more. Nobody has been able to do that in any area. It's been harder. It's been tougher to do, and things have been scaled back. And then today you get that with the Ivy decision. You're hearing a lot of stuff, folks, about the Mets. If you're a Mets fan, don't get all hung up in this day-to-day process of having negotiations for a billion-dollar property covered like it's a ball game. It doesn't work that way. You're not going to know what's going on in these negotiations. Nobody's going to tell you what's really going on in these negotiations. They're only going to leak the stuff that they want to use to impact the negotiations, to move somebody off a spot, to get somebody else back involved, to try to up the price. All those public declarations or leaks are there to further the deal. They're not there for information. So don't buy into any of it. It's a game. It's a game that has just started. There are a bunch of players. Some of them are only looking to steal it. Those guys will be by the board soon. Others are looking to go in and make the right deal. And I'll tell you, some of the people that had, people have ruled out are not out of the game. I can tell you that. And don't think that there aren't more than a couple that want it because just because someone came in and tried to lowball or tried to get in there and make a week, and you've heard about all these week offers and everything, I'm going to tell you, when the price of the team is announced, it will be significant. Nobody's going to steal the Mets. You don't steal a New York baseball team. Not in this day and age. You don't steal a property of that magnitude in this day and age. These franchises are worth too much money. Awful franchises in bad cities go for a fortune. Why? Because there is so much money and so much appreciation in these franchises. Nobody in any league loses money with their franchise. Nobody. Nobody sells their franchise 20 years later for less than they paid for it. They, they sell it for double and triple and four times what they paid for it. They might not have always made money each year, but they don't have to. The appreciation is there. So when you're talking about a baseball franchise in New York, I'm telling you, when the, all is said and done, and I would make Steve Cohen the favorite, but I would not make him a lock like a lot of people now. People who were ruling him out two days ago and now calling him a lock again. Hey, he was never out of it, and he's not a lock. There are other players in this game. Would I make him the favorite? I would. I think he's always been the favorite. First of all, he owns part of the team. 
Secondly, he's the richest player. Those are two reasons why he's a very, very prominent part of the deal. And I'll tell you this. If he wanted it at any price, which I don't know is his motivation, if he did, the game would be over. But I don't know if that's his motivation. And like I said, there are secondary and tertiary factors that are very important to these guys as businessmen. Real estate, broadcast rights, SNY are very, very prominent parts of these deals. It's not just a baseball deal. So, again, you'll hear a lot of stuff. You'll hear this and that and this one's up and that one's down and this one's in. means nothing until you get a final announcement. But remember, hey, I remember when Stevie Cohen pulled out, people said Mets won't have two bidders. Mets have seven qualified bidders already cleared. There's plenty of people out there that want to want to take a swing at this franchise. So when you have seven people going after one property, I like that position as the seller. The Mets have some issues, absolutely. But they're going to do just fine. You don't even need to. And I know you're not worried about whether they how much money they make because that really shouldn't be your motivation. They're going to do fine. They're going to do just fine with the franchise. The question is, do you get the guy that you want to have it who gives you the best chance to have the franchise you want to have going forward? That's what it's really about. Back after this. Now, this is a very strange thing for golf coming up, as you may uh, have paid it. I mean, if you're a golf fan, you know. They're going to Muirfield Village two weeks in a row uh, because of the changes they had to make in the schedule. They're going to play the Workday Charity Open. And the course is going to play at a lesser level this week, meaning that the rough will be up next week and the greens will be faster than they will be this week. So the scores this week should be higher than they will be next week, you would think, because they're going to basically toughen the course up for Jack's tournament. Um, it's, it's a very weird situation, very weird. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Now, last year, Cantley won Jack's tournament at 19 under, so Lord knows what the scores are going to be like this week. You know, I, I, I don't like how they've been tearing these courses apart, you know, where everybody's 15, 18 under par. You know, I, I listen, last week it was a bad field. The Shambo was a heavy favorite. So, you know, seeing him win didn't surprise. Um, you know, you, you're not going to pick anybody a four to one in golf. You'd be crazy to. And he was four to one going into the tournament and he, and he won. So, and he's been playing more consistently than anybody. Uh, this field obviously is a, a very solid field, but I don't like the idea that they're playing the tournament two weeks in a row. So it makes this one almost to me to be almost like a dress rehearsal for next week. I understand there's a big purse. You know, listen, you know, you win the tournament this week, you win a lot of money, but it's kind of strange what's going on there. It really is. John in West Hampton, what's up, John? What's up, Mike? I actually had a golf question, but uh, yes. quick thing about the Mets sale that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it, I understand there's a deadline tomorrow for the first bids. Would it be possible that we could have this finalized and Cohen uh, gets the team by tomorrow? I doubt it. I mean, I I don't think Not it will like happen. Official, but I, I, like, no, I like doubt that. I I doubt that. I I I, w- I don't think it happens that quickly. I mean, I really couldn't say what the. I don't know 
what what their protocol is as to how they're you know uh, how the company that's handling it, and they handle almost all major league sales. So they're they're very well versed at handling the sales. So they do it all the time. Uh, I don't think it would happen that quickly. But again, uh, you know, I'm not sure uh, as to what the deadline is. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what that that there is a deadline. To be honest with you, I don't think there is any specific date that they have to have this done by. To be honest with you, I thought the first the first round bid. No, no, what, what, right? no, no. There's there's a there is a bidding. There is a bidding process, but again, there is a bidding process. But again, once you know that you can, you can change your bid. If the bidding process is there's an initial bid that goes in, but you're allowed to change your bids. If you are allowed, if there's going to be a second phase, then what's the difference? Why would you make your top offer your first one anyway? So, uh, yeah. you know, again. We're not going to be privy to everything that goes on in these negotiations. Uh, you'll just wait and see what happens. But like I said, I don't think that Cohn's the only player, but you would have to make him the favorite for a couple of reasons. One, he's got the most money. And two, he owns a piece of the team already. So it gives him an advantage. Got it. Um, so but quickly with my golf question. Yes. Um, I, I know DeChambeau, uh, you said, was a 4-1 to one and he was the heavy favorite. Last week, yes. Yes, yes. But did but didn't you say he had like no shot? I never said he had no shot. Absolutely not. I said he was the heavy favorite. He deserved to win. I, I said he deserved to be the heavy favorite. I never said he had no shot. Absolutely not. The guy's been the most consistent golfer in the country every week. He's been in the, in the top eight every week. Eight straight tournaments, he's finished in the top eight. I never said he had no shot. Absolutely no chance that I say that. I said he deserved to be the heavy favorite last week. You know, I deserved to be. I didn't pick it, but I would never pick the favorite. I picked Fowler, and I picked List at 135 to 1, who actually was at one point only two shots off the lead on uh, Saturday, late Saturday. Uh, then he fell back on Sunday. But he was actually at one point only, th- only th- he, was eight, he was 15 under, and they were 18 under uh, at 135 to 1. And then Fowler had a big Sunday, but again, too little, too late. I took Fowler at 28 to 1. I would never take the favorites. No, I said that he deserved to be the heavy favorite. Absolutely deserved it. In a bad field, he clearly deserved to be the heavy favorite. Never said he couldn't win. Deserved to be the heavy favorite. He deserves to be the favorite right now in every tournament, every week. Right now, he's the most consistent player. I don't think he's the best player. I would still make uh, Kepka the most logical winner of any major. But DeChambeau is going to be right now. And right now in Vegas, DeChambeau is the favorite to win the Masters in, in Vegas right now. I don't think he should be. I think Kepka should be. But uh, DeChambeau is because right now, in week after week, he's been the most consistent golfer. And he has taken his game to a very different level now. You know, with his driving prowess, with the extra weight, with the driving prowess, with what he's doing, he's playing very consistent golf, exceedingly uh, consistent golf. So uh, he deserves to be there. And any tournament he's going to be in, he's going to be, if not the favorite, right there. And he is, the ter- like I said, he is the uh, betting favorite for the Masters right now. Vinny in Queens, what's up, Vinny? Hey, Mike, how you doing tonight? What's happening? Hey, listen, two things. Uh, I'm so glad that, them, that the Wilpons finally agreed to sell the team. Hopefully we find it sooner, sooner rather than later. Well, you'll have, a, you'll have a new owner for next year. Year, years of losing, Mike. I'm sick of it. And uh, main thing, though, I want to say over on the 35 uh, wins for the Mets this year. Thank you. You know, you haven't, you haven't lost that. I mean, you know, you, ha- you have – if you look at the average teams in baseball, the Mets have been better than half the teams, maybe more. 
I mean, they've been to a World Series, you know, and they went to the playoffs back to back years. They've been to the World Series since you know the, the you know more, uh, uh, more recently the Yankees have. So it's not like the Mets are dreadful; they're just inconsistent. Alan Forrest Hills, what's up, Al? How you doing, Mike? Good. What's happening? I'm very disturbed about these uh, comments made by Deshaun Jackson. Not only the comments he made, but the lack of anybody coming down on him. Oh, the team came down on the team pounded him. What are you talking about? They haven't suspended him. They haven't fined him. Hey, he can't. You know, is that going to make it better? I mean, you know, you yes. want why? Because he already apologized. He already, he already apologized. He already, he already apologized. His apology was ridiculous. All right. Well, you didn't accept it. It's up to the owner to accept it, you not you. Don't think there's a double standard? There is a double standard. I've told you many. T- listen, you've learned. You know that I feel there is a double standard. Okay. So, well, then I agree. But you know what? But there's a lot of double standards in life. There's a lot of times where we, as the majority, have huge advantages. This is one place where we don't have an advantage. I've said that many times. Okay, minorities can make statements. On you know in public that the majority can't make, so what? That's the way it is. Just learn to live with it. That's all. I've known that for a long time. Charles Barkley can make a statement that I can't make. Okay, that's fine. There's no big deal about that. This is one case where he has you know a little more freedom. That's all. So what's the big deal? We've known that forever. So I mean, it's not you know once you once you realize that it's not the end of the world. Listen, he made re- he made awful, reprehensible statements. The team jumped on him. He apologized. If whether you accept this apology or not, it's up to you. If you don't want to, I understand. And that's yeah. To me, I'm you know I'm not going to you know worry about it too much. I mean you know there's a lot of players out there. A lot of them are going to make dumb statements. And are going to make, and some people sometimes are going to make hateful statements. What are you going to do, Sean in Manville? What's up, Sean? Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. What's happening? Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. You got me through some very tough days in my life. I appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. What's happening? Um, I have a question about golf, uh, in particular about DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the guy put on all this weight. He's yep. strong as hell now. Right. I'm just curious if they do steroid testing in golf. Because in baseball, yes, they do. Gets, yes, they do. So, uh, how often do they test? You know, I don't know. They do drug tests. I don't know how often. Uh, DeChambeau, uh I don't. Here's what I think. DeChambeau, as you know, if you follow golf, is a egghead. Okay, he's a scientist. Okay, he's oh, okay. Uh, he is uh, very scientific about his approach to golf. He has very different views about golf. He also decided that if he bulked up, that he would, with the added driving distance, would gain an advantage. He clearly has. He is driving the ball much, much better and much more efficiently. And he says he's taking all these uh, protein drinks and nutrients every day. I don't think, I'm telling you, I don't know about what his regimen is, I don't think he's doing steroids. I think he's just bulked up. Has he bulked up? Yes. He's visibly bulked up. And there are a lot of guys out there who have thought his bulking up, I mean, ex-golfers, pro-golfers who felt his bulking up was not positive for him. 
But it's working for his game. He's driving the ball significantly farther, and he's driving it very well. He's driving it, I mean, he's killing it, and he's killing it with authority and keeping it in the fairway. And right now, he has been the most, you know, consistent golfer in the country this year. He's hit, I think he's eight for eight. His last eight tournaments, he's finished in the top eight. Uh, He beat a bad field last week, but he beat him. Uh, He's right now playing as well as anybody in the country. He is the favorite to win the Masters. Like I said, I would not make him the betting favorite to win the Masters. I would make... uh, Brooks the favorite until somebody starts to beat him in majors, the favorite in any major, because I think he goes there and uh, he goes there. And when he's on his game, I think he's the best player. But DeChambeau has improved. There's no question. Kevin in Fresh Meadows. What's up, Kevin? Hey, Mike. How you been? What's happening? So, I, you know, I'm new to the golf betting. But um, it was so funny, you know, with Bryce all bulked up, I, I started to wonder myself, maybe the guy's going to get tired. So the option that I had was Kevin Na plus 175 against Bryce. So I took a shot on that, and it came in, and then I went with um, uh, Dustin. What do you mean, the time, first day? And that came in. What do you mean, no, the first no, day? Round, the, the fourth round. Oh, the fourth round. So, yeah, so yeah but uh, how many under was? I don't remember what Nas shot the last day. What did he shoot? They were tied going into the last day, and then he beat him by a stroke. Well, what do you mean? Uh, the Shambo won the tournament. I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, I thought you meant that maybe in the opening round. I don't remember who outshot whom in the opening round. DeChambeau won the tournament. He shot. He won the tournament, DeChambeau. So Knock couldn't have beat him for the tournament. DeChambeau won. So he finished 23 on the par. He won the tournament. So I'm not sure what you mean, okay? Uh, Chris in the Bronx. What's up, Chris? Hi, how are you? Good. Um, listen, I agree with you on DeChambeau. I don't think he's on steroids. He has kind of a book of someone who's just putting on a lot of calories. I, I agree. I also think he's a scientist. I think he is a purist. I don't think he would do steroids. I agree with you completely. And, and he has that extra weight. Like, he's not just ripped. He's got, he's got No, he's got extra weight. He's got bulk to him. He's got bulk to him. I agree. He's got, a, like, he's yeah. almost, he almost got a little heavy feel to him, you know, more than, yeah. than he's, he's not ripped. But as you said, he's a scientist, and he's figured out how this yes. is going to work for him. It is I mean, working. Consistently over 350, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he actually drove it. I was watching the other day on one of the holes. He drove it 376. He outdrove the guy by about 60, 60 yards. It was unbelievable. It is great to watch, too, because golf, you know, golf can be a little boring when Tiger's not in the field. Hey, you know, and it's funny. He's not, he's not very popular with the other players either. You know, which is makes it a little more interesting because he's he's a guy he's quirky, so he's not he's not overly popular with some of the other guys. And you know, uh, he's done a couple of things where he's a little bit of a loner. You know, that's what he, you know you, you know he does all the different things with his clubs and all the different stuff and you know all the different permutations. He's got a military guy as his uh, as his caddy. I mean, he's got all this crazy stuff, but it's working for him. So good for him. I think. Listen, I think he's good for the game. Anytime you bring another good player into the game, I think it's good for the game. That's all. But I would still make Kepka the favorite. If you're asking me, I'll make Kepka the favorite for the Masters just because it's Kepka. I, I he Kepka is he's a great driver of the golf ball. He's an excellent putter, but 
he tends to get streaky, and I don't know his game just doesn't seem right. But his games, I mean, but if you look, but if you look at the last eight majors, he's been by a mile the best player in the world. He is, and we, of course, we can never forget Tiger because at Augusta, I don't think I don't think Tiger. I don't. I I I think I, I listen. I'm not knocking Tiger, but I think everything fell Tiger's way in that Masters. I think I I I don't I don't I think Tiger. I'm not saying he was lucky. I just think everything fell his way in that Masters. I don't think Tiger is in the top five favorites. I think Tiger's below. At least below the top five players going into the Masters. At least uh, behind Kepka, behind DeChambeau, behind uh, uh, Dustin Johnson. I would put him behind a bunch of players. I think there's at least five, maybe six or seven players who I would put ahead of Tiger for the Masters. I don't think I'd put 15 ahead of him, but I think I'd put five or six ahead of him for sure. Back after this. All right, let me uh, get a couple calls in here. Brendan and uh, Chatham. What's up, Brendan? Hey, Mike. How's it going? First Good. What's on. happening? What's happening? Not much. Uh, I want to talk about your uh, pick, uh, Kepka, to win the Masters. I, I, didn't um, say, I, I didn't say I was picking Kepka. To win. I said Kepka deserves to be the favorite to win the Masters. I, he has dominated the majors the last couple of years. That's all. I, I think he should be the favorite over DeChambeau. Okay. Uh Sorry, misunderstanding there. Yeah. Um, but this upcoming tournament this week, and I'm telling you, this guy Neiman, Neiman, remember that name? He's gonna shoot lights out this weekend. Um, Why? And I really like this kid. Man, oh, I saw I saw him a couple of weeks ago. I, I watched him a couple of weeks ago, a young kid. But I mean, to me, what I don't like is. I'm not making a pick this week because I don't like that they're playing the same course two weeks in a row. I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like the stops and both stops at Mirfield Village, uh, changing the course to two weeks. I, I think it's kind of weird. So uh, you know, I, I don't know. It makes almost this week feel like a practice round before Jack's tournament to me. You know that? Yeah, I think it's a little too gimmicky what the PGA is doing. I mean, these guys are shooting twenty under par. It's getting boring a lot. Yeah, you see, I agree. I, I I agree. It has bothered me. I think I think it's been a negative when these guys go out and everybody is eighteen under par. I, I th- and, and you know, and the win is twenty three under par, and nobody's challenged on any hole. I agree with you. We need them to play the good courses and get some good golf in there. So I agree with you. These courses, I uh, like we saw the last couple of weeks. Now, last week was a weak field. I understand that, but. They have just torn these courses up, absolutely, and I do think it hurts. It makes it boring. I totally agree to see these guys shoot sixty-one, sixty-two. Uh, you know, you got to shoot sixty-five to be in the running. You got to shoot sixty-four to be in the running. I agree with you. I, I, I do think uh, the way they've ta- the courses need to be more challenging. I agree with that. Danny and Hoboken, what's up, Danny? Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, yeah. I had a question in terms of the uh, return to sports. Um, you know, across the globe. So one organization that I think has been handling it much better than the others, uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention to it, has been the UFC. Um, and, you know, kind of what they're doing, they built this fight island in, in Abu Dhabi. Um, do you think in an effort to, you know, combat what's going on with the rising cases in the U.S., as well as supplement their brand uh, internationally, do you think some of these leagues could potentially look to go overseas to, to complete the season? God no, no, absolutely not. I mean, to play our major sports outside the United States. If 
if you can get a, a season done. Well, wait a second. Where, how, where would you play baseball? Uh, they're playing baseball in Korea and China. So wait, you want you want the you want the New York Yankees and the New York Mets to go to Korea to play baseball? They're trying to build their brand uh, international. Come on, they've been trying to do that for years. Uh, and, uh, do, do you think that kind of defeats the purpose? Why? If they're not going to allow fans in the stands in the U.S., then what is so it go play in Korea? I'm, I'm, what I, I mean, wherever Europe, if the case. Well, wait, there are no baseball fields in Europe. They don't play baseball in Europe. You can't. You can't build a, a baseball stadium in in, in the next three weeks. No, not weeks. I mean, if if this really gets. No, listen, okay. listen, Danny. You, this, the, I understand. You're talking about. What about all you need is a. You're talking about a sport that needs nothing to be put put on versus major sports which need. So many things. To, I mean, just putting on, just creating the bubble in Orlando has cost the NBA $150 million, and that's in Orlando. And they already had everything there. I mean, I, what you said makes no, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to, you know, listen, it's just, you know, sometimes you have a bad idea, but that's a bad idea. That's not, that, that's, that defeats the purpose. It really does. The idea of taking American sports and putting it somewhere else in the world, and then and then tr- and then bringing it back to us uh, and televising it from somewhere else in the world, I I, I don't see that working. I, I don't think our players are going to be too thrilled about that either. Brian and Westbury, what's up, Brian? Uh, this week's golf, right? So I, yeah. I mean, kind of, you know, I got into betting on the on the golf and stuff. Yeah. So I was looking at somebody in the middle of the pack. They got this guy, John Sarantonio. He's he, you know, he finished in the middle of the pack. You know, I don't know what his odds are. You know, I'd have to look. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know. I, I didn't even hear the name you said. I mean, but I'd have to look up the odds. You can look up everybody's odds. I mean, you know, they're, they're there. But remember, most of the guys, you know, the favorite. If it's a bad field, the favorites like last week, there were not a lot of top players in there. So DeChambeau was four to one, which is very small. In most in most regular tournaments, the favorite's about nine to one. Eight to one, nine to one is the favorite. A guy who's the fifth or sixth favorite's twenty to one. Everybody after that is thirty five, forty, fifty, a hundred, a hundred and fifty. You remember the the odds on a lot of these guys, they don't win a tournament in three years. Winning the tournament. Only one guy can win the tournament that week. You got a lot of guys playing. You got 140 golfers playing. Only one of them wins. So you're going to put an odds on every single guy. The favorite's going to be 8, 10 to 1 in a lot of these tournaments. So, I mean, that's how it works. Now, uh, you know, you, so you pick out a, if you pick out a guy who's not a top 20 player, he's going to be at least 50, 60 to 1 minimum to win the tournament. That's how it works. Uh, we look at the date. I look at, uh, back to the date for Mantle and Bernie. Bernie, this was a game against the Mets. It wasn't, didn't really do much back on 01. But for Mantle, it's an interesting day. 7-8-66 played a doubleheader against the Senators. Homer in the first game, they lost. Homer in the second game, he won. He played both games in a doubleheader. Here's the fascinating thing. On this date, July 8th in 66, Mantle had 18 homers and 41 RBIs on July 8th. You know what he finished with? 23 homers and 56 RBIs for the season. Think about it. On July 8th, he had 18 homers. He finished with 23. Why? He had a hundred, played in 108 games. He had 330 at-bats for the year. So he hit 23 homers and 330 at-bats. 
And, you know, in, in those years, 63, he had 213 at-bats. 65, he had 400 at-bats. 66, he had 390 at-bats. That was a big thing. You couldn't get him in the lineup. His, his power was still there. 23 homers and 300 at-bats is a lot of home runs. really is. Kevin and Milford, what's up, Kevin? What's up, Mike? How are you, buddy? Good. What's happening? Uh, I'm just thinking with the 60 games, there might be a 400 slugger out there. 400 hitter? 400 hitter? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it could happen. But, you know, if somebody hits 400, if I've heard this brought up a bunch of times. If somebody hits 400 in 60 games, nobody is going to say that he's the first guy since Ted Williams to hit 400. You're going to have to do it over 162 games for it to count. Doing it over 60 games, it could happen. I mean, I'm sure there's been 60-game spans in the last 50 years where somebody I, – I, I mean, I know in 56, Mantle was hitting 400 for a while. I know at times George Brett was hitting 400 in the year he hit 390. I'm sure Rod Carew had some times where he was hitting 400 over 60 or 70 games. Uh, Tony Gwynn might have. So somebody could do it, but it's not – listen, anything that is set on that kind of – like somebody – uh, has an ERA that's really low, or somebody uh, hits 400, those would be the numbers because you're not going to put any qu- any quantitative totals together because you're not going to have enough games. So, But, I mean, if somebody does that, nobody's going to act like it was done in a full season. It was done in, a third, you know, done in basically a little more than a third of the season. And it, and it will be judged as such. That's all. Juan in uh, the Bronx, what's up, Juan? Hey, Michael, how are you? Good, what's up? Listen, thank God at least we have you, Michael. I am sick. If I don't get sports soon, Michael, I mean, I'm 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 sick of all my children. I'm sick of reruns of Roseanne. I'm sick of the uh, the Bachelorette and the fake laughter shows like. Um, I understand. Um, or, or, you know. Hey, I mean, listen. Just- I I I Juan. I get the message. Okay, we all need games. I understand that. We need games. We need a baseball game tonight. We need a playoff game tomorrow night. We need games. We have gone a very, we've gone far longer than I ever even thought could be reasonable. I never thought, you know, if you had said to me in March, hey, it'll be July and you won't have played a game, I would be like, you're going to tell me we're going to go from March to July without a game? Well, you know, now you've had obviously a couple of things to pay attention to. Golf has been there. Um, now we haven't had classic golf, but we've had golf. You've had some horse racing, but that's for fans who are fans of horse racing. And even that doesn't have the pure feel to it when you don't have people in the stands and you don't have the atmosphere and everything else. It takes, it, it loses a lot in the transmission. There's no question. It's the way it's got to be this year. I mean, Saratoga is going to be run that way starting in a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact. Before you know it, Saratoga is going to be run that way. As a matter of fact, Saratoga starts, you know, uh, in less than 10 days. So, uh, you know, it's the way it is. You know, you got to run the horses. The horses need to run. They got to run their stake races. They got to run the big races, and that's what they'll do. Uh, but hey, you're right. We do need sports back. We need it back for a variety. Of, we need a lot of things back. You know, we need we need so much of 
our life back. And I'll tell you, um, despite the look of the stock market, which is, to me, utterly amazing where the stock mar- what the stock market has been doing, okay? And if you pay attention to the stock market, you know what I'm talking about, how it just continues to go up. And certain stocks just continue to go up despite what the news of the day is. But to me, our return or our attempted return to normalcy has not gone well. The stores are not easy to go to. You go to the store uh, and you got to wait outside because you got to wait online to get into a store. Who wants to spend money at a store and want to wait online to go go to the store? No one. I'm talking about to go to a, you know, a clothing store or a department store or something like that. Who wants to wait outside? Or Apple. Who wants to wait, out, wait outside on a line for an hour to go into the store? No one. Rather not go. Hey, you're going to take my money. At least I shouldn't have to wait outside for an hour to, go, to give you my money. And it's not their fault, but that's the protocol now. So we aren't back in any real way. Restaurants aren't back. We still can't go see a Broadway play which is closed to January, can't go to a concert, uh, can't go to a ball game, still can't go eat in a restaurant in a real way. Um, malls are still closed. Uh, you know, indoor malls are still closed. Uh, nothing is the same. Nothing has come back exactly the same. So to me, we still have had to dramatically sacrifice our way of life, and it's been a very long time now. And that's why if sports can come back over this summer, it will be a very big positive. It will be a very, very positive uh, diversion for the rest of the summer. Because a lot of people can't go on vacation this summer for a variety of reasons. Uh, a lot of the places you would go to can't, can't take it. You know? And hotels aren't open or you know, traveling is not what's called for right now. So there are so many things that are restrictive right now in our lives. It would be a big positive have sports come back. And I'll tell you this, should they not come back in the next couple of weeks, I think we are going to psychologically take a severe hit. I think our culture is going to take a very severe hit if that happens. And we have not taken that real severe hit yet on the return. I could see that happening if sports doesn't come back. So I think it's a very, very necessary part of the process. School is too. But again, hey, you can't tell somebody. That community knows whether they can open school or not. We don't know that. So to try and force schools on somebody, hey, you got to let the school do what it knows it can do. They know what they can handle. We don't know what each school can handle. So you got to almost take it on a school-to-school basis on the night where they just canceled college football and all sports for the Ivy League. So we'll see how that all unfolds in the next couple of weeks. But yes, it will be a uh, very big positive and equally a very tough hit if sports doesn't come back. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program brought to you by those who drink it. We'll see you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Hey, 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.